0: Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb. is impacting your life. The problem isn't that he is too weak. It's that you're too strong. So full of pride, there's no room left for God to work. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look on how to empty yourself of pride so that God can fill you with his strength and virtues. Listen now as David introduces the conclusion of his message, Finding Strength Through Weakness.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, um, also for joining us throughout this week as we have been teaching uh passages of scripture that are meant to encourage you in your present situation. I hope you're understanding that and that you're drawing great strength from the word of God. That's always where we should turn when we're going through stuff that's hard. And I don't know where you live or what your situation is. It seems like the problems are many of them unique to your situation but what i know is that god knows where you live and he knows what you need and he's written his book to be an encouragement to you today we finish up what we started yesterday finding strength through weakness if you have a bible with you you might want to find your place in second corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 that's the source of our message for today during the month of february we're encouraging your response to turning point by making available to you a brand new book by our friend rob morgan this book written by rob morgan is uh, one of his bests in my estimation it unpacks one of the most familiar verses for christians in the bible romans 8:28 says that all things work together for good to those that love god do we believe that what does that mean especially now in this day Well, this book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point of any size during the month of February. It's our way of expressing gratitude to you for your investment in what God is doing around the world through Turning Point Radio. Thank you so much for helping us, and be blessed by this great book in your own life. Well, let's get started with this last Section of 2nd Corinthians 12. This is part 2 of finding strength through weakness The Lord told Paul that the only way he would ever experience the fullness of the power of God Was to be made aware of his own weakness without it He says in verses 9 and 10 That when this happened to him, when through his weakness, God's power descended upon him, two things happened. First of all, he discovered a new ability. He says in verse 9, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul came to understand, men and women, that his thorn in the flesh was God working in his life. And what God told Paul was this. He said, son, you are not going to be without the grace you need to do your job and get through this. You will not be without strength to be my ambassador, but the creative difference from now on is going to be like this. Your weakness is going to serve to magnify my greatness and my glory in such a way that no one will ever again be able to explain you in human terms. And that's what happened. That's what happened to Paul. In that moment, as he describes this experience, it became no longer about Paul and all about Christ. It came to the place where Paul, as gifted as he was, as intellectual as he was, as learned and disciplined as he was, all of that was put aside in his weakness. And the power of Almighty God filled the vacuum. (laughs) He discovered a new ability and then he discovered a new attitude. Oh How many of you know we could use some new attitudes these days? Have you heard all the complaining and griping about all the stuff that's going on? I? Mean, this is a sorry thing. We just we live in such terrible times Paul said that what happened when God allowed this experience in his life is he developed a new attitude notice what he says in verse 10 therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and in needs and in persecutions and in distresses for Christ's sake For when I am weak then I'm strong now, please hear me Paul's not a masochist. He's not saying. Oh, I just love it when I'm hurting so badly (laughs) He's not saying Lord God pour out your wrath on me the harder the better. No, no, no Paul is saying I now understand that even when I'm going through difficult times It is because I am still in God's purview. I am still in God's plan. He's up to something in my life. And I take pleasure in it because I can't wait to see what God's going to do. What is it that we ask when we go through stuff? I can tell you. Your first question, it is, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this taking place in my life? Why do I have to go through? Lord, not now, not this. And What happens when you begin to get a biblical perspective on all this you just change your question a little bit? You might want to ask why everybody does that but you follow it up quickly with what Lord What is it that you want to do in my life through this time? And I promise you if you ask him he'll help you understand what it is. He'll begin to show you George Matheson was a well-known blind preacher of Scotland and One day he wrote these words. He said my God. I have never thanked you for my thorn I have thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorn. I have been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for the cross that I have carried, but I have never thought of my cross as a present glory itself. Teach me the glory of my cross, Lord. Teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to you by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbows." End of quote. And then we come to the explanation of it all once again the key phrase when i am weak then i am strong what does it mean is this a disconnect is this a statement without meaning no it is a statement with incredible meaning and if we can get our arms around it today it'll change our whole perspective on life here's what god is teaching us he is telling us that when we are weak and confused he's up to something in our lives He is teaching us and preparing us and he is wanting us to be used as we have never before been used. He's making us trustworthy and the principle is illustrated over and over again in the Old Testament. He always allows those who are in weakness to be the channels of his great power. Do you remember Abraham said, I am but dust and ashes. And moses said who am i that i should go before pharaoh and gideon said lord god my family is the least in manasseh and i'm the youngest in my father's house and david said i'm a poor man and lightly esteemed and i could go on over and over again ezekiel and jeremiah and isaiah all of them understood their own poverty unless god broke through with strength But the most vivid picture you will find in all of the Bible The picture of the cross if you read the writings of Paul you will discover that at the very center of his writings is the cross For you see on the cross was the greatest demonstration of power through weakness Look at him hanging there between two convicted malefactors thieves if you will His hands nailed to the cross his feet to the cross standing there without any of the information of the scriptures that we have today look at that picture is that a picture of power or is it not a picture of absolute weakness the weakness of a man strung out on a cross unable even to suck in his own breath But I say to you that out of that weakness on the cross came the greatest power the world has ever known. Through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of Almighty God was released into this world. And if you're a Christian today, that power has transformed your life and is in the process of transforming that life. That power has lifted you up out of your own situation and put you in a place you never dreamed you could be. It's the power of God that breaks the chains of sin in our life. And it all started in that weakness when the Savior hung there for us. And Paul never got over it; he couldn 't get past it when he wrote to the Corinthians as he began to teach them, as he was coming to them, as he was writing these two letters that we have to them, every time you turn around he 's saying something about it in First Corinthians chapter one verses twenty three and twenty four he writes, "But we preach Christ." crucified to the jews a stumbling block and to the greeks foolishness but to those who are called both jews and greeks christ the power of god when he was coming there to minister to them he had just left athens that hadn't been a great experience athens was filled with all the athenian wisdom of the day it was the place where Paul preached to the unknown God. You remember that sermon? Now he's on his way from Athens and he's going to Corinth, and Corinth has a reputation of being an even more intellectual, sophisticated. It's the place where the Corinthian games were held. And he says in his heart, he's probably thinking, What in the world am I going to say to these people? That's like Billy Graham going to Cambridge University. And Paul. As he trudged along the road trying to sort all this out and get it together We read later on in the book of first Corinthians and in the second chapter He tells us a little bit about what he decided. I want to just read this to you Just pretend I'm Paul and listen to me as if I were telling you what I went through and How I came up with what I was going to do listen And I brethren when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom Declaring to you the testimony of God For I determined on my way from Athens Not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive speech or words or human wisdom But my speech was in the demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith Corinthians should not be in the wisdom of this man, but in the wisdom of Almighty God Paul said I'm not going to come here and try to impress you One of the things he's criticized for in second Corinthians is he's a very unattractive person They tell him that he doesn't look like they want him to look He doesn't preach like they want him to preach that his speech is contemptible Not exactly what you want to hear on Monday morning after you've given your heart to preaching. The whole book is about their criticism of Paul because he doesn't match the oratory and the sophistication of their great leaders and speakers. And Paul just turns it upside down and says, that's right, I'm not any of those things. All I am is a humble servant of Almighty God. I am so humble, I am so weak, says Paul, that if God hadn't done something, nothing would have happened. And later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he puts it, So succinctly you can't miss it He says not that we are sufficient of ourselves To think of anything as being from ourselves but our sufficiency is from God It was only in Paul's weakness that the power could be of God Let me tell you what I've learned God loves to use people without abilities and lift them up and that is no excuse for not getting an education But God uses people. I mean, if you go through church history, you'll find some of the greatest preachers had very little opportunities for seminary training and education. But he uses some other kinds of people too. He uses people who have gifts and have training and have abilities if they will renounce their dependence upon those things and put their dependence instead on God. So he wants to use all of us, but he won't use us if we're stuck on ourselves There is no way to have the divine power of God in your life If you're all puffed up with yourself if you're so full of yourself, there's no room for God And that's what Billy Graham found out. I told you I was going to tell you about him Billy Graham learned in England what Paul is teaching us in 2 Corinthians 12 writing about this he said that his arrival in Cambridge was really very unsettling. The night of the Cambridge mission was Sunday, November 6th, which was the day after Guy Fawkes Day, a day of fireworks, bonfires, and general revelry, something like the July 4th of our country. He was getting his team together to prepare for this, and he was in the debating hall on the Cambridge campus, and a firecracker was tossed through an open window right into the middle of his meeting, even though there were police all around the perimeter of the building. Along with that Billy was told that C.S. Lewis was there and wanted to talk with him Oh my goodness Does that strike terror into the heart of every preacher? I've quoted C.S. Lewis all my life How would you like to go to a meeting and you're getting ready to preach you're already scared out of your tree and they say Yeah, C.S. Lewis is here and he wants to talk to you So he went and I guess the conversation went fairly well But at the end of the conversation, C.S. Lewis said to Billy Graham, he said, Billy, he said, son, you've got a lot of critics. But he said, you know what, I've never met any of your critics who's known you personally. Well, Billy thought about that for a moment. He was in a strange land. Nobody knew him personally. But he had critics. What does that mean? So he meditated on that. And then he began this three-night meeting. And according to the record, he began to preach these three nights. And what was happening was very modest. Very, very below what he had expected. His sermons were, by his own estimation, too academic. He knew that he was not getting through to the hearts of the students, and he felt like he was preaching to please the audience rather than the Holy Spirit. And so Billy Graham sought the Lord. And then came the breakthrough. Following the third sermon, the day after his 37th birthday, Billy Graham set aside his university focused sermons, and he preached the ordinary evangelistic sermons He always preached to human souls and in his weakness through the all-sufficient transformation of the gospel and the power of Almighty God a revival broke out at Cambridge and began to spread throughout the campus and throughout England and its effect is being felt in some places even today some evangelists were saved in that meeting the paradox of strength through weakness. God chooses to use us only when we become dependent upon him. It is when we are out of answers. It is when we are out of confidence. It is when we are out of strength. It is when we have nowhere else to turn but to God. It is when we are no longer full of ourselves. That Almighty God begins to break through into us and His power shines through. There is no one who is too weak for God to use, but there are probably several who are too strong for God to use. You've seen them, you've known them, perhaps you've sat under them. They're so full of their own accomplishments, there's no room for God to get glory. But if you're here today and you feel God wants you to preach or teach or go to seminary or maybe go to the mission field, but every time you turn around you start thinking about, oh, bet I'm not, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Not in your own strength, but in his. He's just looking for people like you who will come and say, Lord, I'm weak. I'm like Gideon, the least of my family. I'm... Like Jeremiah, I can't speak. I'm like Moses, I can't speak. You just wait. If you come with a heart of yieldedness and surrender, God will take the emptiness that you feel and fill it up with himself. And if you happen to be someone that God has gifted, this is not a put down on giftedness. But it is a more difficult process for a gifted person to find dependence upon God than a person who doesn't have some of those gifts. And that's why over the period of history, many people who are not as gifted are used of the Lord in a more powerful way. If we have been given gifts, if you have been given a gift, here's what you should do. Lord God, thank you for the gift. I know I don't have it of myself. Here in Corinthians, there's a little argument about this in a place that said, if you got this gift from God, why do you keep telling everybody it's not from him? (laughs) Everything you have is from God, amen? If you have a gift, it's from God. Everybody has a gift. If yours is unique and powerful, give him praise and gratitude and always be humble about the fact that whatever you have, it's from him. And then put aside your dependence in those gifts. Say, Lord God, thank you for these gifts, but that's not going to get me where you want me to go. (laughs) That's not going to make happen what you want to see happen. So, Lord God, thank you for the gifts. Use them as you feel led to do. But, Lord God, my dependence is upon you, you and you alone. Lord, in the weakness of what I know myself to be, break through with your power and give me a sense of the God Of heaven working in me. As I look back on my life. I wish I could tell you I've had multiple experiences like that. I remember one though. And I want to tell you about it. When I came back from being in the hospital for a stem cell transplant. I was gone for seven weeks. Came back really before I should have. But I missed it so much. I just couldn't stand not being here. And I was pretty weak. (laughs) I didn't have much voice. In fact, I've listened to some of the tapes of those messages, and I'm wondering, man, how did you all listen to that? I was talking in a raspy voice. I was emotional, kind of shaky. But I remember, as if it happened yesterday, going home during those days and telling my wife, honey, I never had an experience like this before. It was almost like I was standing over here And somebody was preaching in that pulpit and I was watching it. Like it wasn't me. I'm not a mystic. And I'm not trying to scare you because it really was me. But (laughs) it was the strangest feeling. I heard myself preaching in a way that I felt no human ability to preach. God had broken through in the weakness of my life to demonstrate His power. And I remember when I came back I told you guys one thing that I want you to remember, and that was this. God is enough. He is. He was sufficient during that time, and he was filling me with his power in a kind of weakness I had never felt before. I'm not saying we should go out and get sick and get weak so God can empower us. I'm just saying that in the process of life, you will have your moments And sometimes when you see those things come along that you wish weren't coming, you say, oh, no, no. And maybe you should instead embrace them and say, Lord God, what are you going to do in my life through this time? Whatever it is, I'm okay with it. I'm willing. Show yourself strong in my weakness, God. Use me during this time. You know, people watch us when we're weak as they never watch us when we're strong because they want to find out if in our weakness they can spot the difference Jesus makes. So I encourage you today, embrace this paradox. Say it with me. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. And you don't have to worry about engineering this. Just let God direct it in your life. But recognize it when it comes and accept it for what it is. And thank God for the opportunity he's going to provide in this time in your life. Mm. Well, I can't tell you how powerful these verses have been in my life. When I was going through sickness, when I've been uh, in situations that were overwhelming, I have sensed the power of God in a way that is hard to explain. And if you've never experienced it, you won't understand it. But the Bible tells us it's true that when we feel weak, when we're at our our least, God becomes our most And we are aware of the power he brings to us. Sometimes we've learned in these messages, we get so full of ourselves, there's no room for God, and we're the losers when that happens. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. Focus on those verses. They'll strengthen you. Well, friends, we've come to the end of the week, our first week of making sense of it all, as we've been sharing these important messages for such a time as this. Um, Next week, we'll continue. On Monday, I'm going to talk about how to get through the wilderness. That's where we all feel like we are right now, in the wilderness. I hope you'll have a great weekend. Get to church if your church is open. Make sure you have input into your lives over the weekend. And friends, I want to tell you, the church is really important. If you can go to church, you need to do it. Gathering together is God's promise to us, especially in days like this, and it will encourage you, it will strengthen you, it will give you something to look forward to every week. I promise you it's very important to be in church if you can do so. And um, don't forget to join us on Monday, and don't forget to watch for us on television over the weekend. Don't forget to ask for your copy of the book by Rob Morgan on Romans 8.28 when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Hope you're having a good week and I pray that God's word is encouraging your heart. We'll see
0: you next time right here
1: in this good station.
0: The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God using Turning Point in your life? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada P.O. Box 18098 Delta B.C. V4L2M4 visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's Book of Comfort and Encouragement, God Works All Things Together for Your Good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Making Sense of It All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords, Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible.
1: I once read a piece of humorous advice about temptation. It said, Don't worry about avoiding temptation. As you grow older, it starts avoiding you. Well, that contradicts what one of my seminary professors once said, he was about 70 at the time, when one of his students asked him at what point in life temptations of the flesh ceased to be a problem. I don't know, he replied, but it must be sometime after age 70. I agree with the professor's sentiment. We're never too old to be tempted. And as long as Satan is roaming about, We have to live an alert and protected life. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's protection on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.